Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Since we're talking about the Grand Canyon today mm-hmm. and therefore the desert. Right. I remembered this story from my childhood mm-hmm. that I had not even remembered until it just literally hit me yesterday that this happened. Oh. And I was like, oh, I have to tell Mike this story. Okay. In elementary school, I went to this little Catholic school. Mm-hmm. We used to sing this song, Peace is Flowing Like a River. Are you familiar with the song? No. Peace is flowing like a river. No. Flowing out of you and me. Flowing out into the desert. Setting on a cactus spring. Anyway, so like Mm -mm. that we used to sing that song all the time. Mm -hmm. We had this little assignment one day Mm -hmm. that was like, take a song that we sing and draw it. Oh. Which I think is a really cool assignment. Yeah so into this idea of like draw what is like a visual representation sure. of this song. I was so proud of this little drawing that I made. In the background was like a picture of me and out from inside of me was flowing this river of water, like the song says, mm-hmm. into the ground and it flowed all the way out into the foreground of the picture. It was a desert and then it like came up. Now, I didn't exactly know what the song meant, by Cactus Spring. Mm -hmm. But I just was like, I guess this is what lyrics are. And I guess this is poetry. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to decide that it is like a, like a cactus um, needle. So it, the water flowed up onto the cactus needle. Right. Mm -hmm. My teacher saw it. Oh, this is great. Well done. Whatever. Hangs it in the hallway for like parent day. Right. So my mom's walking through I was like, yeah, this is the picture that I drew. And she's like, oh, okay. Hmm. Explain the cactus to me. And I was like, well, it says that in the song. I was like, it says flowing out into the desert, setting on a cactus spring. Mm -hmm. She's like, now, meanwhile, I'm like, I don't know, seven years old. She goes, oh, really great job on this picture. (laughs) And I was like, okay, is there something wrong? And then we get in the car and she's like, peace is flowing like a river, flowing out of you and me, flowing out into the desert, setting all the captives free. 
<laughs> I was like, no, it's not. I was like, it says desert. They are talking about a cactus. She's like, not talking about a cactus, babe. I'm sorry to spoil it for you. To burst you, your bubble with you, your cactus she, spring. I, I believe she said, this isn't the first time you're going to hear lyrics wrong. Oh. Everybody does mm-hmm. it. She's like, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a cactus. It's setting the captives free. Oh. She's like, they're referencing this. And she was, then she's like, you know, that time in the Old Testament where, you know, in Egypt where they were all enslaved and like it's flowing out into the desert, right. setting all of them free. And right. it was Should like, we just watch Prince of Egypt right now? Right, exactly. Right. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you get at the National Park At the National Park At the National Park Follow you, I'll follow you Hello and welcome to Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dusty. And today we are talking all about our adventure to the Grand Canyon, which was our final stop of our original National Parks trip in 2017. That's right. Before the show started. Right. Before we even realized that we liked going to National or Parks. Or liked each other. Right. <laughs> no, I think we'd figured that one yeah. out already. Um, yeah. So it was, it's a trip we've kind of like, this is a one park we've kind of held off on talking about for quite some time but here we are talking about our trip to this magical land known as the grand canyon which is one of the most visited national parks in the park system it is not the most visited. it is not the most visited. that would be the great smoky mountains right. national park because everybody goes to dollywood after to get well, their sometimes pfizer vaccines thank <laughs> you dolly no, no no her she's the other one. Oh, moderna moderna yeah moderna yeah, yeah. she's that vaccine okay well thank you bless thank you, you dolly. dolly yeah Seriously. This is another trip, oddly enough, where we are coming off chronologically the trip prior to being talked about on the podcast. So we just finished our trip in Petrified Forest and Painted Desert. And here we are headed to Grand Canyon, which is exactly how it happened in real life. That's right. Right. We had left Moab, Utah, Mm -hmm. because we had been at Arches and we'd been at Canyonlands. Yep. On our way to the Grand Canyon, we stopped at the Petrified Forest. Yeah, it was like a surprise. 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 Um, Um, We mm -hmm. stopped there. Now we were headed to the Grand Canyon. Right. Which was our last leg, essentially, of the trip. So um, we left the Petrified Forest sometime in the afternoon. We stopped at a gas station. I remember stopping. And I think you went in to probably, like, pee or, you know, get a Diet Coke. Probably both. That was uh, during (laughs) that time. Yep. During that phase. Time in your lives. And I remember I talked to my mom earlier that day. And she was like, oh, did you get me a piece of Petrified? 
petrified wood. And it was like, I can't take a piece of petrified <laughs> wood from right. the petrified floor. She's like, no, I meant like in the gift shop. And I was like, well, I didn't know that you wanted one. But they had some for sale in this little gas station. They so did. I got her a piece. Yeah, there were other things. I feel like there were like other little crystals in there. Yeah, too. it was like, it was a half gas station, half, half crystal old shop. crystal shop. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, one of those. Yeah. We got our gas. We You got our petrified wood for your mom. We headed our way off to Flagstaff, which was where we were staying. It was kind of our launching point for the Grand Canyon. It's about a two-hour drive from Petrified Forest to Flagstaff. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. No, it was a pretty relatively quick compared to the other drives that we had taken on this trip. You know, we, like Dusty was just saying, we sort of on our way from Moab and, you know, being in Canyonlands and being in Arches, Petrified Forest and Painted Desert were sort of really a surprise. It wasn't like something we had originally slated, but we saw that it was kind of right in line there. And I think we had originally planned to, I guess, maybe spend an extra day or so in Moab area or spend an extra day at the Grand Canyon. Something we, we were going to do some sort of extra thing. Actually, I think what was, it was going to be was we were going to try to do the north rim of the canyon. Yeah, we and, were going to try and do the north rim of the canyon. Yeah. One of the reasons that we, you know, put the Grand Canyon at this spot in the trip was because you had gone to Machu Picchu. Right. And you had said you'd seen a lot of sites in Machu Picchu or you saw Machu Picchu and then a bunch of other sites as right. well. And then I did from, from Peru and Machu Picchu I did Bolivia and the Salt Flats and La Paz and then went to Chile and Santiago and the coast. And, and you said to me you were like all of them were so amazing to see but uh, Machu Picchu was just such this magical experience that was uncompared to any of the other things. So right. you were like, because we had talked about putting the Grand Canyon first on this trip, right. going there first, and then sort of making the circle back around in the opposite direction because yep. we had gone Zion Bryce, Arches Canyonlands, Petrified Forest over to Grand Canyon. Right. We thought about doing that in reverse. And you were like, no, let's leave Grand Canyon for last. Because it is what it is. And it's iconic. And you know? it's so iconic. Let's right. leave it for last. So we did do that. Mm -hmm. So we spent basically seven or eight days prior to this already hiking and seeing this incredible landscape that is southern Utah, even northern Arizona. And so we kind of were primed at this point for the Grand Canyon. But I think we were also at this point sort of um, feeling a little like zapped as far as just like overload we had visually overloaded ourselves a little bit i mean we we had overloaded ourselves in a lot of ways yeah i mean we were physically very tired right because we i mean it was just like this was the first time we were we were figuring out how we were like one like we knew we traveled well together right but we also were figuring out what hiking was like right. outside together. Right. Because I remember that first day at Zion, it was like, oh, we're going to be doing this all day, every day. Right. I better get ready. Yeah. And like, I was not prepared. Now I like know, now I'm yeah. prepared. But yeah. like at that time I wasn't. Yeah. We make our way to Flagstaff and we end up there right around dinner time. This is also the time in our travels where we were kind of like, we don't care what we eat. And we're sort of still like that where it doesn't really bother us. Like if we can find a brewery these days, and I say these days, I mean, <laughs> not what does these, that even mean? Not, not these, these exact days. days. But you know, when travel's the thing at some point right. again. Um, if we could find a brewery or something like that or, or something in town that is a local, like little hip little hotspot, 
Um, we'll definitely do that. But we're also sort of of the mindset of we're tired at the end of the day of hiking. We're tired at the end of the day of doing something. We'll just find something that's familiar. And that familiarity is the Cracker Barrel. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes. That's right. Right. Cracker Barrel did to us what it always did to us. Magic. <laughs> which is a friend of mine told me about this. And I was like, that is not true. And then it ends up, at least at this point, it was true. I don't know how true it would be now. Maybe Cracker Barrel's these listening. Days. And these they, days. And these days, they've sort of stopped this. But like, I all would always joke that like when we would go to Cracker Barrel, we would always be put in the gay section, which mm-hmm. is like the very far back section of Cracker Barrel. And then you would always get like the gay waiter, mm-hmm. you know? Who's and like 23, just out of like college. Who's like 23, just <laughs> right. out of college. And his name is like... Brendan. Caleb yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's like a meeting of the sisters. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, hi. Oh, hi. Yeah. How are you? Mm-hmm. Good. Good. I mean... <laughs> the coven has convened. The coven, right. Yeah. And you're sort of like, we all sort of know each other. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that some people out there are thinking like, oh, that's funny. I'm sure that's happened to you one time. Mm -hmm. This has happened at least 10 times. I mean, I've been with you for at least four of them. At least four of them. (laughs) And we're like like clockwork every time. Yep. Every single time. Put the gaze in the back. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I'm always curious. I'm like, well, maybe they're doing this for Caleb. Maybe it's like to give Caleb some social space. There you go. Maybe there's that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's, maybe it's to give us social space. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's true and it happens. I do know that they can just leave those biscuits and keep bringing back more. (laughs) I'm never going to (laughs) complain because the biscuits, the cornbread. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So after we leave Cracker Barrel, we head up to our Airbnb, which is like, Cracker Barrel, I remember, was like a solid half hour drive from, it was a half an hour drive or like 30 to 40 minutes to where we were staying. Mm -hmm. And then then the Grand Canyon was going to be like- Two hours, basically. Two hours north of there. So we were leaving this area, which was near the university that was there, the Northern Arizona University. Like we were leaving sort of that area mm-hmm. and then headed up to where our Airbnb was. The Airbnb was really interesting because I think this was one that I had booked. We had done Airbnb when we did our Florida trip prior to this and we Airbnb'd throughout this entire trip too. And they were just super chill. Like most Airbnbs were like, you know, you need to be here between this time and this time. Well, and especially after that one Airbnb right. in Moab yeah. where she had the binder of rules. Right. And as I maintain, everybody could have a good time because of those binder of rules. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, they were very, very lax. And it was just like, oh, yeah, you know, like whenever you want to show up, it's fine. Someone will be here. It's no big deal. They were um, like, oh, we don't do keys. Yeah. Like there's no keys. Someone is always here, essentially. And it's always open. Yeah. I think I was really surprised with what Flagstaff was and what the surrounding area was like because it was sort of like we drove up like into the mountain. Like I just remember that. Oh, okay. It's actually sort of not only is it mountainous, but it's like 
pines and like conifers and and a little rural yeah suddenly rural yeah yeah it was a little like strange all of a sudden like very abrupt especially coming from petrified forest and like even just moab and where it was much more deserty this was a change of scenery for sure but we basically end up in this very like rural sort of development is the best way to describe it it was like it was kind of like a little strange like we got to the end of the road and it was like, okay, there was no more road to go on, like paved road. And it was very clear that our Airbnb was kind of off to the side, off of kind of like a little bit of a dirt road that we had to go down. It is this gigantic barn looking house, essentially. We go up and we just knock on the door and they were like, oh yeah, come in. I mean, they could like see us and so yeah. we just walked in. Big, beautiful space. They were having dinner with their kids. They're one kid. They're one kid and they had dogs. And they had dogs. And the house was really cool. It was set up like it was a recording studio. Yeah, right to the left. Yeah. When, right to the left. When you come inside just to the left, there was like a full recording studio. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, we got to talking to the hosts about this and they were like, oh, yeah, this has been a recording studio for a very, very long time. Right. And they turned it into a nonprofit recording studio. Mm-hmm. They started Airbnb in order to like help offset the costs for artists to yeah. use the recording studio. It was the coolest thing. Yes. And the house was set up very much so like it was trapped in the 1960s. Like I expected I the Brady's to come it. down the steps. Oh, it was so... I oh, mean, Mike, why? It was very mid-century modern. <laughs> right. Everything. You know what I mean? Right. Like exactly shag, i mean like green shag carpet yes like and w- wood panels like everything it was yeah psychedelic yep and they had like some rooms downstairs and then they had some rooms upstairs mm-hmm. but i think the only airbnb the one room because we were their only guest but no, maybe there were some other guests oh, the there night were? before they oh, okay. had left earlier from downstairs okay but we were the only guests the nights we were there. Okay. Having literally, we just come from this lady's place in Moab with all of the rules. Right. So going into this situation was like, they were like, oh yeah, um, yeah, we'll show you the room and we'll show you what's up. We walk in and there is a card on the dresser that was like, this is the Wi-Fi password. Mm-hmm. That was all the info. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, and here are the towels, the bathrooms over there that's your bathroom. And we were like, great. And then that was it. <laughs> yeah. And they were just like, again, they were like, someone's always here. So don't worry about like, don't worry about anything as far as getting in. They had a French bulldog who wouldn't leave me alone. Oh my God. <laughs> this, who was obsessed was, with me. Well, cause we were sitting there and we were just chatting about, you know, what we had done that day, I guess. And what we were, you know, plans for the next day. Yeah. And then just in comes their French bulldog. And it was just like, no, I'm here now. Yeah. And I am part of this. Attention. And, oh, my God. Just like licks. And they were like, yeah, he'll probably come say hey and lick your face. I mean, and we were like, yes. And like what I remember was that they were labeled super hosts as well as the woman in Moab, also a super host. And I was like. Wow. You know, and this is our first sort of real consistent experience with Airbnb. And we were like, well, I guess there are a lot of pathways to super host. Yeah. I was like, I love this. Yeah. You know, so, it was great. It was very so relaxed. It's okay. I say it's a okay if people don't have binders full of right. rules. 
you know, everybody's house is their own culture. Yeah. But something cool that they told us when they were showing us the room, they were like, oh, yeah, Linda Ronstadt used to like uh, record here all the time. She'd stay in this room. And you were like, oh, who's that? And I was like, oh, well, I know who Linda Ronstadt is. (laughs) Because I grew up listening to Linda Ronstadt singing with Aaron Neville in my dad's car. I literally called my mom and she was like, oh, that is the coolest thing I've heard all day. (laughs) I had heard of Linda Ronstadt, but I couldn't tell you anything that she had sung. We didn't listen to any Linda Ronstadt. We didn't. We didn't. We could have, but we didn't. No. We we had a wonderful time at that Airbnb. And, you know, it was a lovely spot to, you know, just rest for, because we were there two nights. Right. It was a lovely spot to rest to get ready to go to the Grand Canyon the next morning. And with that, let's take a break. What game are we playing today? We're going to play memoir titles. We haven't done this Uh, in a while. You know I love this game. Mm -hmm. Memoir titles or even (laughs) memoir chapter titles. Memoir titles. Memoir titles. (laughs) Have you read that memoir? Mm Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, memoir chapter titles is, I think, what we're going to aim for here. Great. So I want you to come up with a memoir chapter title that relates to a time that you worked in retail or like had an odd job like employment early employment this would be a section and i would break it into miniature chapters okay the first one would be called baskets of peaches okay because my first job ever where i actually made money was there was this man this older gentleman named pj Mm mm-hmm who went to the church that my mom and I had gone to mm-hmm. every Monday he would deliver produce and people would pay him. And so I helped him. Okay. Just like I delivered it from the car to their front steps mm-hmm. and it was mostly peaches. Okay. Then I would probably have to have a chapter about yeah, working retail, but I would probably call it crop dusting. Okay. Okay, and here's why. <laughs> Please do. Is because all of the secret farts. When I worked for a major luxury retail brand, mm-hmm. who's part of like a larger family of stores that have like there's three of them that are sort of like bonded <laughs> together. Uh-huh. Right? I worked for, you know, the luxury tier of that. I really actually kind of liked that job a lot because I kind of just like sold clothes and like was everybody left me alone and I could just interact with people and I love interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that's a requirement. I would rather interact with people than like data or numbers or like, you know, that kind of job. Mm-hmm. But there was this woman that would come in at nine twenty five when we closed at 9.30. Meanwhile, we have refolded everything and she would ruin so many piles and make this mountain of clothes and go into the fitting room. She would not ever buy anything. And some people were, they were like, we think she might be shoplifting okay. some things because she always grabbed things that didn't have any, you know, security tags, security on, tags on them. We had refolded everything and she ruined like four tables. What can I do to motivate her to leave on time? <laughs> I opened a fitting room for her and I crop dusted the worst part <laughs> I have ever let out. And it was like, all I had had to eat that day was like protein shakes and vegetables. Wow. And I was like, your fitting room is ready. She walked in, walked right out and just walked right out of the store. 
I would say she never came back again, but she did. She did come back mm-hmm. a few times. But that was how, yeah, I would have to say crop dusting. <laughs> what about you? Um, well, I think the first job I made money at, I worked at a fish restaurant. So I think I would call that title like something fishy or something some, something smells fishy. And it was fine. It was for like a summer. It, I worked for like a neighbor in the neighborhood had opened a fish restaurant. And it was small, but it was sort of like... I was able to like get some serving experience and like I didn't really do uh, cooking at all. It was like all counter work, but I just would come home and reek like every day of fish like that smell. And so that was something that like is sort of like get rid of that. It's like a visceral memory that just like has stuck with me for a long time. And then my next retail job that I worked at was a rag shop, which is similar to what an AC Moore was and what a Michaels is now, since they are like the dominant species um, of crafting stores and art art supplies and art supplies. So that was great. I love that job. So I think I would call that title from rags to rags instead of from rags to riches. Um, (laughs) Great. Because that was like a job where it was just like, you would do everything. It was like, okay, you're on cashier. Okay. Now you're going to cut fabric. Oh, you don't know anything about cutting fabric. Well, you're going to do it. Oh, you're on, you're breaking stuff down. Oh, you're doing inventory like late at night. And there came the time where they used to do like, like make and take workshops for kids. And I think this was like, there were a few jobs in between, but I think this was when I was either just about to head to college or like, in the summers between my years at college when I was home. And they're like, oh, you teach art classes? Well, we don't have like an art teacher for today. Or you want to be an art teacher? Well, we don't have an art teacher for today. So it was kind of like how I got my feet wet. I was like probably like 19 or 20 teaching like 10 or 11 year olds how to do like a craft, Um, which was really actually very like formative and cool thinking back on it now but it was really like they sort of like just threw you to the wolves like all the time but it was i would work with literally it was me and like every other person that worked in the store was like 60 plus and i loved all of those women they were great. oh yeah yeah of course from rags to rags <laughs> We would like to acknowledge that while hiking and exploring in the Grand Canyon that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Hopi, Havasupai, and Pueblo people. Grand Canyon was established uh, on January 11th, 1908. So she's a Capricorn, (laughs) (laughs) Just just like somebody I know. Uh, as a national monument, and then February 26th of 1919 as a national park. So a Pisces. Ooh. Oh. Which makes sense. Earth okay. and water. Sure. Know. Yeah. I mean, carved like by water. Yeah. Um, the canyon, you know, most people will go to the South Rim, which is home for viewpoints and trailheads. And there is the historic Grand Canyon Village that is there. That's also the visitor center is basically there. But the North Rim is also a very popular destination. It's only open from mid-May through mid-October. And I believe that's where that the bridge, the clear bridges on the North Rim, right? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I the, thought like, the clear bridge was 
closer to the south room. Maybe it is things we didn't see. I think that would have that throws me into a panic just thinking about it. Um, so, <laughs> oh, girl. So I think we just avoided throws it you into a panic. <laughs> so we just avoided it all together. And so you know the canyon. Aside from just being able to take in the sights of the canyon, there are some hiking trails. Mule rides are popular as well. You know, there's a lot to look at at the Grand Canyon, like literally. We got up very, very early, which getting up early wasn't really a big problem for us, mainly because if you're Mike's friend, then getting up early is a requirement. It is an expectation. Mm-hmm. And um, it's non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. All, all true things. <laughs> and so, um, so we got up and we, we were already packed we hit the road. We really, really wanted to do the North Rim. Yeah. In hindsight, wanting to do the North Rim and staying in Flagstaff, probably not the greatest choice. Mm-mm. Because it would have been more like a six-hour drive. Something insane, yeah. To the North Rim than it would have been to the South Rim. Right. Because driving to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon is like, from the South Rim is an unbelievably long drive. Yeah. So, not unbelievably long. Just it's long. It's a long drive. Yeah. So... You're going around a canyon, man. <laughs> Essentially. But it's the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it's the, the biggest canyon. of all of them. So, yeah. you know, it's just a matter of, like, where are the major roadways that'll take you there the fastest. Right. We were there too early in the season for the North Rim to be open. So, we knew that the only option we had was the South Rim. Right. And so, we were kind of like, what are we doing... As far as time goes, I think that's probably part of the reason that we did go ahead and do Petrified Forest and Painted Desert. Although we did kick around maybe going to Sedona or trying to see some other sites while we were there. We had two days. Our flight the next day wasn't leaving Las Vegas until like something like eight or nine o'clock in the evening. So we had lots of time to kind of play around with. We, we wanted to make the most of our time. So we kind of decided we would just play things by ear once we got to the Grand Canyon. Right. Knowing that we had two days right. that we could go. Yeah. Prior to leaving, there was a lot of chat that we had about like hiking to the bottom of the canyon. Mm-hmm. And everything that I read, every piece of research that I saw said, do not do this. You will not succeed. In a single day. In a single day. Yeah. Meaning, yeah, it's fine to hike down to the bottom camp and then come back. Mm-hmm. But doing it in a single day. Now, we weren't camping at this time. Right. We didn't have that in our own sort of travel infrastructure. Mm-mm. I had watched this video of this guy who did do it. And he was literally running most of the time. And then he did do it in a day. And even him at the end of it was like, this was a bad idea. Don't do that. And I was like, well, <laughs> we're definitely not going to be running. No. And two, I drink water. At an unbelievable rate. Like at a two to one to you, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like that's how much water I'm consuming. Yeah. So like. So that was extra two inches of height you got on me. Yeah, I guess so. When it comes to planning, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to be in a situation where we're not going to have water, then that's something we have to strategically plan for. Yeah. We don't even now have that in our infrastructure to be like, we have to strategically plan for like not having water or only having a certain amount of it. Yeah. Like that is something I know that I would personally have to work really hard to work toward. Yeah. We didn't have that. We were like, 
it's not a good idea to do the bright angel trail. No. Right? And so that's sort of where we left it. Mm -hmm. It was like, we know we're not doing that, but we'll see what we can do when we get there. Right. I just remember the drive there being very beautiful and very open, just like expansive landscape. Also some snow on the ground, which I'm pretty sure you were disgusted by. (laughs) I mean, I'm always disgusted by snow. Because we were at high. I mean, you have to think about, I just remember leaving where we were in Flagstaff and just climbing, like feeling like we were just headed up. Yeah. Like elevation wise. Um, up and up and, and up, up and up and up and up. But it was not like windy. No, like we're not like winding up. It's like path. a straight yeah. drive. Yeah. Kind of just like angled up. Um, until you kind of like level off eventually. And we do, as we get closer, we're in, we get to the, the Kaibab National Forest, um, which basically takes us all the way to the canyon from there. It surrounds the canyon We've talked about this before. Most national parks have some sort of natural barrier to them that um, protects them. Um, in this case, and the case of many national parks, a national forest tends to be that thing. For Channel Islands, obviously, you have the Pacific mm-hmm. <laughs> surrounding it. This is what we're basically passing through as we're getting to the canyon. So you do pass through this kind of like one town right before you get to the canyon, and it's kind of on private land in the midst of the forest in the midst of the national forest and the name of the town is Tusian and it's basically just an island of hotels and restaurants amid the national forest and the Grand Canyon airport is kind of like right on the outside of town this was back during the time when we were eating McDonald's every morning and um, (laughs) for breakfast when we were hiking (laughs) (laughs) not every morning not every morning yes for (laughs) breakfast when we were hiking Obviously. We had three triple bypasses at this point. (laughs) We had looked up McDonald's prior to leaving the night before. There was one in downtown Flagstaff. Which would have backtracked us like 20 minutes. No, it would have backtracked us an hour. We would have had to go south 30 minutes and then back up. Oh, right. So it would have added an hour and we were like, we don't want to do that. And then we saw that there was a McDonald's like right before you get into the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. We're like, perfect. So we'll go to that one. So we go and we pull up and we put in our order, which was something like coffee and a Diet Coke. And I think between the two of us, we got like four biscuits and two orders of hash browns. Mm -hmm. And what was the total? Like $42. No, I think it was 50. I think it was like $52. It was something outlandish. And we were like, are you kidding? Uh, We were both like totally stunned. Because our breakfast was typically like $8, maybe something like that. Together, it was typically like maybe $8 to $10. (laughs) We were like, what? And it was like, yeah, because one biscuit is like $6.99. (laughs) Right. Also, this is where we introduce price gouging. In and oh, around the Grand my Canyon. Goodness. This is the most expensive meal we have had that entire trip. Right. And the most expensive McDonald's that we could probably think of. Ever. Thankfully, the lovely woman who was working the like the window was like, Well, I can make these things a meal. And like I think it ended up coming down to like thirty dollars. T- turned into like thirty-eight dollars. Yeah. I think I remember if my Capricorn number brain <laughs> serves me well. Like thirty-eight dollars. And it, we were like, Well, thank you so much, but good lord. Yeah. You know? 
and we I think took a minute to be like, well, where else are we going to eat? The Little Caesars over there isn't open yet. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, there so was we nothing were kind of like do. we needed to fuel up. I was so, like, this can't be the only time. I'm like, this is probably every single order that the person working the window like that's their experience yeah. every time somebody orders then they're like that'll be 47 42 and they're like excuse me and it's like then they have to go back and forth over this right. i'm sure that's their experience <laughs> so we like begrudgingly got our food we paid up we paid up and we headed off to the canyon which that's at right. that point wasn't very far when you kind of pull in it feels very much so like like an amusement park and that there are like tons of lots there's like RV parking, there's car parking. We parked sort of towards the back of one of the lots. The nice thing about the canyon is it is long. Like the South Rim is long. It's the, it's like fully from like one end to the other of like it, things that you can see. I think it's like 22 miles long. Yeah, it's really it's long. It's really long. And so the nice thing is, is they do run shuttles from the visitor center. So which is where basically the parking lots are. The shuttles are able to take you sort of like anywhere along that that span we kind of did this thing when we got to the canyon or as we were driving where we're like listen this is like there's only i think this was you you're like there's only one time i did that we're going to be able to see the grand canyon for the first time so like let's not look until we get to the spot that we are going to start where we can really see it and where we can take it in because when you get there you can sort of see the idea of the canyon in the distance but like it's far enough away and the angle that you're on on the earth you can't really see that much of it and the yeah, visitor center blocks because you're, it and you're coming in yeah. at rim level right. and you're not coming in at canyon right. level right which is like zion you drive you like Your as you approach level. it yeah. you are you're in it and yeah. you see it yeah same with like capital reef yep and then i would kind of say i mean bryce is a li- you're a little more at rim level though. Bryce is sort of like at rim level because we had to really walk up yeah, to get to... and then you have to walk down in yeah. though Bryce is not nearly as steep. No. But like it's a little harder to do this at Bryce Canyon because uh, what we're doing as far as like keeping our eyes closed and then open. Right. Only because like um, it's smaller yeah. and it, you know, but anyway, at Grand Canyon, somebody, I think somebody told me to do that. Mm. They were like, take a moment and don't look until you like get off the shuttle at the spot that you want to get off at and then take like actually take your moment yeah and so that's what it was really about just taking a moment right (laughs) reclaiming my time can a woman get a moment (laughs) (laughs) so we decided we're going to go all the way out to the end which is hermit's rest and you can't get there just on one shuttle bus so we get on the one bus that takes us to the stop that'll get us on the red line, take us out to Hermit's Rest. And I think we looked at the floor the entire time. Yeah, we were looking or, at like, the floor we, and like, looking away. We turned our back to there was like, a lot the windows. Of this. There was a lot of holding our hands over our A lot our of faces. people. And meanwhile, everybody is looking out the windows like, oh my God, there yeah. it is. And we're like, <laughs> we're not doing it yet. We're not, we're not doing it yet. No. We, I think, I just remember changing buses was a little bit, although I think there was stuff was in the like, way. look down. But it was just ground. like, look down at the ground and don't look Turn up. around. Yep. Now look at the parking lot. Right. And so we're able to get on to this final bus that's going to take us out. And I think in total, it probably took us you know, with buses and waiting for time, 
um, waiting time for them to come probably like somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes to get all the way out to that end, which is about like a nine, I think it was like nine or 10 miles from the visitor center all the way out to Hermit's Rest. So it maybe even was longer than that. It was, it was a pretty lengthy period of time. And when we get off here, there weren't too many people that got off with us. Like, I don't remember like leaving mass exodus. There were other points where more people got off the buses. I just remember like sort of being like, okay, are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And we sort of like took a giant breath. We did. We got off. Yeah. We like, we were like, okay, with our hand in front of our, our forehead, like a visor, and we were like, okay, we're okay, we're standing here, and then we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And we took a breath, and then we looked up. And with that, let's take our next break. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Drag Corner. Please welcome to the stage, Phasia Fears. All right, I have actually some very clear thoughts about Phasia Fears. <laughs> okay. I think You've been that dwelling on her? Phasia Fears is actually like her act is like exposure therapy <laughs> to a bunch of common like phobias. Phobias. Yeah. Phobias. Phobias. Right. Phobia. Like, I think she'll have, um, you know, snakes mm-hmm. that are, you know, handled by actual animal handlers. Mm. Right. But uh, maybe she won't like have real snakes, but she might have a snake look Mm. or like fake snakes or she might do like rats or bugs or like Mm -hmm. there's all these different looks that she has about, you know, things that people are afraid of. Do you feel like she could do something similar to the great Muppet caper ride or the bugs life ride where you're in a theater with 3d glasses and also certainly things are happening under your chair and stuff like that. Like I feel like that's sort of part of the the shtick of it all. Yeah, but it's a drag queen. So I kind of am like, I don't want there to be too much budget. Like, yeah, I feel like drag always like, uh, like definitely have a ton of budget and like lights and mm-hmm. you know like that kind of stuff but when it comes to the gimmicks I'm just like I always find drag gimmicks to be so much more exciting and fun when they're like creative and so cheap yeah so I'm like how do we <laughs> it would be like hey everybody we left out old food in the audience so there are gonna be bugs around just letting you know you know <laughs> that kind of thing right 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 I, do, I love that I love I feel like there's a lot of um, if we're gonna say lighting I feel like she does a lot with projection mm. and it may maybe it's more maybe if we can't do the budget of like you know the bug's life ride in an animal kingdom maybe it's more the Willy Wonka tunnel um, oh that I you're love going that but and like, it's but like, it's a different. Oh yeah, she's saying different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, I'm so here for yeah. that. I need somebody to do that, mm-hmm. and I need it to be facial fears. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I feel like maybe her song that she lip syncs to is "Disturbia" by Rihanna. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm-hmm. That is a very good call. Mm-hmm. And it's like really off-putting, like yeah. the whole thing. You know, like, it reminds me of, like, when Beyonce did that one show, I think it was at the American Music Awards, when she had, like, like, she did it against that screen that, like, there were all, like, it was, she performed with the screen, and mm-hmm. then there were suddenly, like, a bunch of her on the screen, and then it was, that could be really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I envision, like, Disturbia as some kind of, like, uh, 
kind of almost like performance art moment yeah. about what is fear. Yeah. Oh, I dig that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Her merch is just like maybe like creepy in, crawlers. In, <laughs> it could be creepy <laughs> crawlers, or like her merch is when you buy her merch, you also make a donation to um, mental or mental health resources mm-hmm. for people who are you know actually really facing right. Fear. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Great. So I think I think we've rounded her out pretty well. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Phasia Fears. What did you initially see and feel in this moment? I believe the thing I said out loud was, this is the largest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, right. It was. Yeah. It was, nothing compares to it. It was absolutely the most gigantic thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like a moment of total stillness, total silence. I'm so glad that we actually did that thing where we didn't look and that we took this moment because this moment is something I'll never forget. Yeah. I can envision the entire picture. I have a very clear picture. So much color. Like, I remember what the light was like. It was really special. I hold it very close in my heart. You can only see it for the first time one time. Right. So I really do feel like it was very special. But it was so vast. Yeah. It was so vast and, like, talk about, like, it made me feel extremely small. Yeah. In a way that was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I think I took away the most is its vastness and it's just the scale, the scale of everything and just thinking about how large it is, how wide across it is, how deep it is, everything. And then all of the colors, like, and the thing that was cool initially, but as we were walking along the canyon was how everything changed with the light and how the light really affected how that canyon looked and how just the different time of day really made an impact on the color and the shadowing and everything. And so that was really fascinating to me as an artist, just to be able to see all that. It's one of those things you're right. It didn't cheapen it by any means waiting. Like I'm really glad that we waited to take a look at it because it is one of those things you never get to see for the first time ever again. Maybe from the North Rim. It's I'm sure it's a different experience. Oh yeah. I can't can kind wait of like, to go to the North yeah, Rim. Kind of have the same experience of like keeping our eyes shut. I would like to do that. Yeah. So we kind of take a little bit of time here to just like breathe it all in, which is something we do obviously all the time when we're out and when we're kind of in a a park. But this is sort of like there is so much visually to just digest. And so we definitely took more time, I think, than we usually do sitting and just sort of like in, you know, internalizing everything. Now, the plan was to actually hike about almost 13 miles Mm -hmm. from what we call Hermit's Rest, which is where we were standing in this moment, all the way to the South Kaibab Trailhead, which was kind of at the very other end of the South Rim. Right. And by the very other end, I mean... The walkable other end. The walkable other end, right? And so that was the plan. We were like, okay, great, because we really wanted to do a long walk. And we were like, let's do it. We're going to be along the rim trail. This feels like the thing to do. Yeah. All you have is impressive scenery off to your left as you're walking back towards the visitor center. So it's not a bad view, really, at all. No. 
And you do get some like jet offs here and there and these points of interest where you're able to kind of like get off the main. It's sort of like a macadam. So like a paved sidewalk. You're able to get off that main part and like jet off onto like a loop or like a little jet out to see a little bit more. Or a parallel like I say wilderness trail. Yeah. A footpath that's going along like in the, you know, natural trail. Yes. Though, you know, can I just say when we were doing this walk, there were people, these people who would just be like, oh, I'm going to go like sit on this rock that's just like protruding oh, out yeah. into the canyon and take a photograph. And I'm like, stupid. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. That's how people fall into the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And I am not making a joke about that. It that happens. is how people fall into yeah. the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And it's not smart. And no. so... I was just like, I really don't think that's a good idea (laughs) playing mom from the side because it's like, come on, you guys, like get with the program. Like that isn't smart to do. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was, my fear of heights was like. Triggered. Uh, I was, I was like, like, I'm going to walk on the right side of you. (laughs) Going back and forth from like feeling totally nauseous to feeling like moderately all right. But feeling like super amazing like i mean if you stay on that uh you know sidewalk the whole time you're fine yeah like you know you're far enough away from everything but it was mainly on those like footpaths wilderness footpaths next door to those everything that like the red line had taken us out from um on the bus this is where there's a lot of stops along the way so like this is where we see a lot of people get off to take photos and then like turn right back around and wait for the bus to kind of like move along. So I think there is that sort of culture there where it is sort of like, a, okay, I'm going to stop here and take some pictures. Okay, I'm going to move on and take some pictures, um, which is fine. This is also a section where there's biking that is very prevalent. There were a lot of people that were biking around us um, as we were walking. Um, so something like sometimes we did end up jutting off onto that, like more of that natural footpath to just like get away from that. Cause it's not a very wide paved sidewalk or a paved like pathway. There were definitely times where it was like easier to just kind of jump off of it if we could. So as we were walking along the South Rim trail, we eventually intersect with the trailhead for the Bright Angel trail. This is the trail that you would take if from the South Rim you wanted to go to the bottom of the canyon, and then hike back up. Uh But remember, the Grand Canyon is gigantic. Yep. So it's a matter of getting to the bottom of it and getting back up in a day is not advice. Yeah. Unless you're very prepared. Yeah. And even, I mean, they even say for those who are very prepared, it's still not advice. Yes. Because you will run out of water. Yeah. We were like, okay, there it is. And you could see that people were heading off down the Bright Angel and Trail. Back up. Yeah, and they were coming up the Bright yeah. Angel Trail. But it wasn't that people were like intending to go the whole way. It was like, let me just like walk out here for walk down yeah. this trail for a little bit. And this and is like all up. switch like steep switchback. Steep switchbacks. Right. I think we did three of them and then we were like, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Because like when you look, you can see you're like, oh, I have to do like many, 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 many more of these. Yes. To get anywhere that looks right. and feels a little different than where right. I am right now. And I think part of it too was like, it's not so much of just hiking down 
to the the canyon level it's then if you want to get to the colorado river you have to walk across this entire like plain essentially yes which we could see people hiking out like like in the distance like when we were on the switchbacks you could see like this trail that was cut like all the way down to the colorado um and you could see people in the distance so it's more of like you also have to cross that and then hike down to the river from there so it's a lot. So we definitely were like, well, maybe we'll go to the bottom here and then come back up. And then we were both like, no. We got about like maybe a third of the way. Yeah. And we were like, mm, I could turn around. Yeah. We're continuing walking and we're walking along the rim trail. We know the goal is to get to the South Kaibab. The South Kaibab Trail. Now, there are a bunch of, like, different points along the way mm-hmm. that you can, like, stop into, which I was thrilled about. Which right. Is this like, is, like, right after the Bright Angel Trailhead. We hit, like, the the village, as, it, as it's called. Yeah. yeah. So there are all these, like, lovely spots along the way that you can stop at. Yeah. There's all these stores and shops and, like, hotels within the village. And it does have this kind of, like, it feels very theme park-esque in its sort of layout and the fact that your the canyon is right there. This is also very, this is where we start to see more crowd. Like it isn't as crowded by any means in the, like the hermitage, I'm sorry, the hermit rests part of the trail. But once you hit the village, it's kind of like, this is where it gets a little crazy with people. Yeah. There's a lot of people there. It is really, really nice to be able to like walk through this and also have like a little bit of a respite because at this point we had already done something like seven miles, like from Hermit's Rest to the village, it's about a seven mile walk, yeah. which we had done like a pretty lengthy leg of what we had planned to do already. We had done basically so more than half. So we had done more than half. And yeah. I remember getting there and I was like, we yeah. could rest yeah. for a little bit yeah. here. I don't, did we eat? I don't remember. I think I'm we sure just we like had something. snacks and stuff like that. I'm sure we had which something. Which is like a, you know, our typical venture. Right. But I um, think we did sit on rocks or something. Yeah. And eat yeah, we did. And like, look out at Grand Canyon while we ate snacks. And people watched because this was the section to do that in. Right. Yeah. Lots the, of people with kids yeah. that they're just like, you can walk right up to the edge. It's fine. And yeah. I'm just like hyperventilating <laughs> for every one of her here. Yep. After leaving Grand Canyon Village, we continue on the South Rim Trail. Towards the Yavapai Point and Geology Museum. On our way there, there is this interpretive trail, which is called the Trail of Time, which is actually really great. There are these like geologically cut pieces of stone that show the different levels of sediment in the canyon and the different layers of stone and how over time those have changed. So they're actually these kind of like cut signboards out of stone that also have some information like on placards. Basically just explains the geological change of the canyon over time. So this is kind of like also something to sort of occupy our brains as we've been hiking for some time. Obviously we're just chatting and playing trail games, but it was kind of nice to have this as well um, as sort of like a informational distraction like point for us. So we continue on the South Rim Trail and then we do eventually get to this geology museum that is right there on the South Rim. I loved this because it was also like an extension of what we had just learned on this interpretive trail. Right. And, and all of the things that we had seen and all of the you know new info we had gathered. 
it was a nice sort of indoor spot to just like sit and rest, but they also had this spectacular elevated like view of the canyon from inside. And it was every time you turn to the left, it's just like the biggest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. I remember there being like a pretty cool like wall in the museum that had like a just like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a great sort of exhibit similar to the, um, the giant tree museum in Sequoia where it was just like this well done like museum exhibit wall Oh, of yeah. like stuff related to the geology in the canyon. This was like a study a, a few years after, but there was a rock that was in this museum that had like uranium in it. Like, and oh. I, I'm pretty sure that it was recently removed because it actually was giving off like some low grade radiation. And there was Whoops. like concern about how many people were exposed over time and what it was like for the employees that worked there. So that was like some interesting NPS news a few years ago, I think. But I'm pretty sure it was there when we were there. <laughs> so, well, you know, my superpowers have developed. Yeah. And I just haven't told anybody at this point yet. Yeah. Yeah. Mine have too. Mm hmm. So at this point in the day, I remember I was feeling the done. wall had come. I, the wall had hit. And I was like, I feel like I've gotten a strong sense of the Grand Canyon. Right. We've done, we've done a lot. Yeah. We've, we've, we've walked seen a lot. A lot yeah. But now we're dealing with the fact that like, but again, this is early. In our travels. This is early in our together. travels. So we're still negotiating sort of like, what's our own culture for adjusting plans? Which now I would describe our culture for adjusting plans or like, Plans are great, and then we see how we feel, and we adjust as we go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and we're always just transparent. Yeah. But this is where we were both sort of like still towing the line of like, what can I suggest, and what can I not suggest? <laughs> right. Right. But um, I'm over here also having the same thoughts. Like, oh, this is really great, but I'm I could just go back now. I'm tired. I could just go back now. Right. <laughs> so I think I like turned to you at one point, and I was like wow, this has been such a great like adventure today. And then we both <laughs> think turned to each other and we're like, but I think we could go home now, right? <laughs> like we're ready to leave, right? We did we, say and, that like, at laughed the about same it. time. Yeah. Because it did happen right after this geology yeah. museum. I think we were just burnt out. We were from so burned out. And the we whole were, like nine days that we were away. And, and again, we yeah. walked like, yeah. what, nine miles at this point? Yeah. I know the plan is to walk beyond the visitor <laughs> center because we're basically parked at the visitor center. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if we don't walk beyond the visitor <laughs> center, that's okay with me. And you were like, oh, God, thank God you said that. <laughs> yes. It was like, oh, good, great. Yeah. And that was just like, t- to me, like further confirming, like I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling it, he's feeling it. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, so we basically make our way to the visitor center because it's the one thing we hadn't done at this point. I just remember the gift shop being very impressive at the visitor center, but I don't remember them being, it wasn't like a lot of other visitor centers that have museum exhibits and things like that. At least I don't remember seeing it. Maybe we just avoided it because we were so burnt out. I think also because the visitors, I'm the visitor center and the gift shop were different buildings. Right. This gift shop was created by the Grand Canyon Conservancy. Oh, okay, that's it. And so when you buy something in there, they ask you, would you like to round it up to the next dollar? Right. And that can be a donation to the Grand Canyon Conservancy because that's their nonprofit partner. Right, 
so we got a few things in there. We got our badges there as as we typically do. And then we sort of like poked around like minimally after that. <laughs> Essentially, we're like, okay, Grand Canyon, you were beautiful and just got in the car and left. We did. And we talked a lot about like... We talked a lot about expectation. Right. It certainly is grand. And it sure I, is a canyon. You can never take that <laughs> from it. Um, speaking of expectation, we had spent all week hiking things. Mm-hmm. That is something that, I mean, I think if you're listening to this podcast by this time, you realize this like a centerpiece to the kind of traveling that we do. Yeah. We love getting on our feet and hiking long distances. Mm -hmm. So like to us, like hiking in and around a Canyon for, I'm talking about Bryce Canyon, like a full 17 miles in a day is sure. Exhausting, but like kind of par for the course and thrilling for us things we love to do. Mm -hmm. And so I remember feeling like, remember when we were at Canyon lands and there was like we ended up doing a couple of hikes in mm-hmm. Canyonlands, but Canyonlands ended up being more of like it didn't have a ton of hikes in it. Well, it was also just incredibly fast, and you it know? was very in the islands fast. in the sky section we were in. Anyway, we didn't see all right, the right, sections, right. We didn't yeah. get to go to the needles. I felt a little similar at the Grand Canyon, mm. at least on the south rim. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like if I wanted to travel to inside of the canyon i'd have to go down the bright angel trail which is a ton of switchbacks yeah and at the time we chose not to yeah because we certainly could have said like let's just go down all the switchbacks and hike out you know across the you know the plains there for a little bit and then come back sure could have done that sure but we also knew that we didn't want to sign up for doing hundreds of switchbacks right there was also we were we were tired. Yeah. There was also the potential and and things we talked about in the car ride back of, do we come back tomorrow before we have to head to Las Vegas? Cause honestly leaving from Flagstaff and then driving to the Canyon and then leaving from the Canyon and heading to Las Vegas is essentially the same time travel that you would take you to get, um, which is odd, but it's true. You mean from, from the Canyon or from Flagstaff, it's the same amount of time to get to Las Vegas. Um, So we kind of were like, what do we do? Do we go back? And I think we were just like, well, what would we do if we go back? Like would we can't really hike down today because we really are racing a flight. And so I think we kind of were like, I think that experience is something that we will save for another time when we, can adequately do it and adequately do it in a way where we're not feeling rushed. And I think today's experience was not a letdown by any means, but I think it was a different sort of finish than we thought it would be. And I don't think looking back on it now, I think I was a little disappointed, but looking back on it now, I think it was actually kind of a gift in that we had really like thrown our bodies to the wolves that week. We what we hiked something like three and a half marathons. Like oh, think that about week. that. Oh, that yes, week, certainly. Like, so I think this was sort of like you're gonna walk a flat trail along a beautiful, incredibly vast piece of geological splendor. Like just take it for what it's worth. And like yeah. it it was worth a lot. not going to put the rim trail on the Karen Stone scale because it's a flat rim trail mm-hmm. that is paved. Yeah. So there you are, everyone. We are now going to move into 
our Jeopardy style trivia that we end to all of our full length episodes with. That's right. All right. So who is going to start today? I can start. All right. My Jeopardy is called You Can Fit That in There. (laughs) (laughs) And this is all about things that you could fit into the Grand Canyon to fill it. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Okay. I'm here for this. All right. For 100. The number of this ovular Friday Night Lights piece of equipment that could fit inside the Grand Canyon is about 900 trillion. Is it footballs? Yes, it is. It's footballs. There you go. Look at you being a good kid. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Um, For 200. About 4 million of this iconic New York landmark, which graces the movie poster for Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, could fit inside the Grand Canyon. What is the Empire State Building? That's correct. For 300. The entirety of this, the Ocean State, could fit inside the Grand Canyon with about 700 square miles to spare. What is Rhode Island? That's correct. You are on fire. Did, really? The yes. whole state of Rhode Island the whole can state fit inside, fit of, the Grand inside of the Grand Canyon? I did not know mm-hmm. that. Okay. If you took the entirety for 400, if you took the entirety of the Orenco, the Yukon, and the Tigris, and all of the rest of the world's these, and added them into the Grand Canyon, it would still only be about half full. What are rivers? Correct. You are blazing trails today. (laughs) Okay, great. And lastly, 500, barring the fact that water of the canyon erodes and deepens it, it would take this famous falls, which flows about 2,400 cubic meters of water per second, about 69 years to fill the canyon completely. What is Niagara Falls? You are correct. You got a clean sweep, girl. That was the clean sweep. Look at you. That was a good category. Thank fun you. Fun category. That was fun. Are you ready for mine? I am. It's time for Grand Canyon Word Morph. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's a word morph category. It's a word morph. All right. So um, I will say this. It's a word morph, which means in this case, they all rhyme. Okay. So there's that. Okay. And it's not just one word sometimes. Sometimes it's a phrase. Okay. Most of the time it's a phrase. Okay. Okay, great. Ready for 100. If this famous New York-based used bookstore opened a location at the Arizona National Park, it might be called this. What's the Strand Canyon? <laughs> Correct. For 200. If this Arizona National Park opened a consignment store... It might be called this. What's the Brand Canyon? Incorrect. Not Brand Canyon. Consignment. What is consignment? If you sell something on consignment. You're selling it um, secondhand canyon. You nailed it. You got it. You got it. Yes. Uh, Okay. For 300. Given that the Grand Canyon is featured on most everything in the gift store, one could argue that the name of the Grand Canyon gift store could be this. The Brand Canyon. What is, well, what is the Brand Canyon? What is on brand What canyon? is on brand canyon? I'll take it. Okay. Okay, great. For 400. Mm-hmm. This Arizona National Park, if it were known as a place to go when you really needed to consider the other side of an argument. What is the other hand canyon? Yes. What is on the other hand canyon? Correct. Okay. And then finally for 500. You're also nailing this category. Mm -hmm. 
this Arizona National Park, if it became a known gathering place for magicians. What is the sleight of hand canyon? That's correct. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. We're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by Michael Ryan. All original music was created by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fordgang. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey.